receiver preview part two. I'm Matt Hicks, the FF educator, joined as always uh, by John Lobb, the gridiron scholar. John, the, the wide receiver invites have been coming in fast and furious. So we have nine more guys uh, that we have done full film reviews on. And I got to tell you, man, uh, this last week, getting into the film on these guys, I actually might be more excited uh, for the, the depth of this week's episode compared to some of the bigger names in last week. So are you ready to get into this thing? Yeah, Matt, I will have to admit, as I've watched film this week, I fell in love with a couple of these players. So let's get to it, my friend. I know you almost don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but that's what we're <laughs> about. If you're watching the video version of this episode, do us a favor. If this helps you prep for your 2024 rookie drafts, take two seconds, give the video a like, drop us a comment, ask us a question about any player on the video or anything about your, your upcoming rookie draft questions here. Uh, and if you want to get in on the Rookie Big Board rankings, the Rookie Big Board Discord, personalized roster advice, draft advice, the Discord is going absolutely wild this time of year. Head on over to patreon.com slash rookiebigboard. Whether you're watching or listening, the link to join us and join our community will be in the episode description. But without further ado, John, we're going right into this thing. We're starting off hot because I got to tell you, every single draft cycle, you know, there's guys that you watch live and you like. But once you put them on the film, they just pop. And I got to tell you, man, I'm excited. I'm all in. I messaged you as soon as I finished watching Jacob Cowing tape, the wide receiver at Arizona, man. We got something special with this guy. Oh, he's very interesting, Matt. 5'11", 170 pounds. He had played three seasons at UTEP. And he had led the team in receiving each season on campus. And in 2021, Matt, he blossomed into a star. 69 receptions, 1,354 yards. What I like most, 19.6 yards per catch, seven touchdowns. He named he was named first team All-Conference USA. So what he decided to do is he was going to take his skills and move up a level from the G5 to the P5. He transferred to Arizona. And over the last two seasons, Matt, he has started 24 of 25 games. In 2022 this year, Matt, he was really good. 85 catch, or two years ago, 85 catches for 1,034 yards and seven touchdowns. But when you watched him this year, Matt, Arizona changed his role in the offense. He ran many more shorter routes, and he averaged only 9.4 yards per catch. I looked it up. He ran 70% of his routes out of the slot. He ended up with 90 catches, so he had more catches, Matt but for only 848 yards, and he did establish a program record with 13 touchdowns. I watched the Valero Alamo Bowl to scout him against Oklahoma. He was the offensive MVP, Matt. He flashed us that deep playability again with 7-152 and two touchdowns against the Sooners. Sooners, I like him a lot. He has a role in the NFL, Matt. What does your film study say? Yeah, Cowing is the is a perfect definition of you have to stay up on NFL trends, right? Slot receivers can absolutely contribute for fantasy purposes. We've seen that. And what I love when I'm watching Jacob Cowing tape, he's got a great release off the line of scrimmage. Boom, big check mark for me. John, working through his routes, he creates separation consistently. He'll right. shake defenders with that footwork. And then he's got this speed where if you once you give him a step, you know, he's going to have two or three yards of space before 
uh, before that defender gets to him. So showing that ability at the college level is a big thing for me. He's quick. He's fluid. He moves really well east to west, just as much as working downfield. And you're right, his routes were shorter, John, but he works a pretty decent route tree. Uh, you know, we got a quick slant. We have the ability to work that deep curl, work into the deep field with a post, with a, with a go route. Uh, you can really uh, let him live on the scene. John, a guy who I know he had a little bit of a down year this year, but I, I'm getting Jahan Dotson vibes. And we saw the upside with having Jahan Dotson from his rookie season, right? So Cowing, I know it's a loaded wide receiver class. It wouldn't shock me if he slips into day two. He's definitely a wide receiver that I'm a big fan on. Uh, and it's a big reason why we wanted to kick off the show with him here. Uh, but let's go ahead, John. The next guy we're going to talk about is another guy that I'm a big fan of. I've alluded to him in previous episodes as well as kind of my sleeper mid-round wide receiver from this year. And that's going to be Jamari Thrash out of Louisville. But John, another guy who benefited greatly from the transfer portal. Yeah, Matt, you better get used to it, everyone. The transfer portal has changed everything for these young athletes and their potential at the NFL level. Thrash is 6'1", 185 pounds. However, unlike um, Jacob Cowing, Matt, he played on the outside 89% of the time. He was unbelievable. He was a three-star recruit who originally enrolled at Georgia State. That's a G5 program. And in 2022, his fourth year on campus, he finally exploded as a playmaker. 61 catches for 1,122 yards, seven touchdowns, and he averaged 18.4 yards per catch. He was the all-sunbelt receiver that year. So once again, he decided that it was better for him to move up a level in competition. He transferred to Louisville. And all he did, Matt, he was a darling of the college fantasy football world, and he's getting draft buzz now. He started 12 games for the Cardinals this year. He opened the season with a touchdown in his first four games. He finished the year with 63 receptions for 858 yards and six touchdowns. But Matt, if you go to the slide and if you look at some of the numbers, he's really impressive because when you go back to his Georgia State year, the numbers pop like the team dominator, 46%. Look at that, receiving yards per team pass attempt, 3.77%. He has been really good on occasion. And you know, Matt, I'm okay with receivers moving outside, inside. I think Thrash has a definite role in the NFL. Matt, what's your um, film study say? Yeah, you know, if you watch Louisville, which I did find myself watching a lot of Louisville this year, they <laughs> found themselves in a lot of interesting matchups. Um, you know, Jamari Thrash, he was a huge piece of the Louisville offense. And remember, this is a Louisville offense that made it to the ACC championship game, despite having a brand new head coach, really low expectations. I think their season over under was eight and a half, and they ended up going to the ACC championship. And Jamari Thrash was a huge piece of that. John, off the line of scrimmage, he's got a really nice release. He's sharp. He separates quickly. And then he's got that long speed. I mean, he's somebody who we're going to, you know, raise our eyebrows a little bit when we see that 40 time in Indianapolis because I think he's going to have a really nice one. He's got reliable hands. He's catching everything thrown his way. And after the catch, John, he's fluid. 
He's elusive in space. So if you're a fan of that yak upside, then Jamari Thrash is absolutely going to be somebody who catches your eye. And if you've been watching college football, especially SEC football over the last few years, it has been impossible to not have your eye caught by Anaya Smith, the uh, do-it-all wide receiver out of Texas A&M. Matt, when I was breaking down Anaya Smith this week and watching more film, it really made me think about Jimbo Fisher, the talent that the Aggies had, and like they did nothing with it. There's a reason he's not coaching that team anymore, but that's for another podcast. Hey, Anaya Smith is 5'10", 200 pounds. As a true freshman, he immediately saw action in 2019. So we like that here on the rookie big board. He had 22 receptions, seven carries, but he was a special teamer also, Matt. 16 punt and 13 kick returns. So the coaching staff felt that this young man was worth getting the ball in his hand at an early age. The next year in 2020, he led the Aggies with 564 receiving yards on 43 receptions. The next year, he paced Texas A&M with 47 catches and six touchdown receptions. Yet, in 2022, he suffered a season-ending injury, and he played in only four games. So he decided to return for his fifth year, and he was really good last year, Matt. He looks like a running back, doesn't he, when you see him yeah. transition and I believe he played running back in high school, if my memory serves me. So you see that when he gets the ball in space. He had 53 receptions this year for 795 yards and two touchdowns. As a receiver, they placed him in the slot 75% of the time. And here's what I love looking through the data. He was very impressive at yak per, per reception. So how many yards did he get after the ball was in his hands? He averaged 6.7 yards, Matt. That was more than Malik Neighbors, Marvin Harrison, Troy Franklin, and Xavier Leggett on a per-catch basis. That's a pretty impressive number, and he had 355 yak yards. Matt, from day one, he's an NFL player. He has 82 career punts. 820 career kick returns and two touchdowns. I know coaching staff's going to love him. Matt, what's your film breakthrough or film study say? Yeah, I like Anaya Smith. You know, I think he's somebody who I'm really excited to see in Mobile. And I'm excited to see how NFL scouts in front offices might see him being used in the NFL. Because mm. you mentioned it. He's got the build like a running back, and he's physical, John. When he's working over the middle of the field, he's very comfortable working in traffic. He holds on well through contact. There's a couple examples in his tape where he just gets popped right after the catch, <laughs> and he holds on to it. They, they move him all around the field. Uh, I think he's a twitchy athlete, and like I mentioned, I think he's got pretty solid hands. You'll also see Anaya Smith used on, on a little bit of those jet sweeps, right, those end arounds, and he returned kicks and punts, and he was pretty successful doing it. When Anaya Smith is running in a straight line with some space to get going, he is a very, very fast player as well. So there's a lot of upside here, and I think Anaya Smith is the first example here as we talk about Senior Bowl-specific opportunity. I think Smith is going to kind of we're, we're going to learn a little bit about the way that the NFL wants to use him and how Smith is able to respond to that. So practice week is going to be really huge for Smith. Uh, and John, another guy who I think is going to have a huge practice week 
I think he's really going to kind of get elevated in the overall eyes of the of the fantasy football community, senior bowl community, NFL community. It's Roman Wilson, the wide receiver out of Michigan. I got to tell you, I know you're watching a lot of Michigan. <laughs> I'm watching a lot of Michigan. And the quantity might not be there with Roman Wilson, but the quality is there. And relative to the Michigan offense, the quantity is there. So I'm trying not to be biased. And I do like Roman Wilson. So I'm going to temper my enthusiasm right here. Because I will say he's a high efficiency player. You are right. When you just look for volume, the numbers aren't going to pop for you. But part of it is context. Michigan doesn't throw the football a lot. Now, he's listed, Matt, at 6'0 and 192 pounds. The eyeballs test tells me he's not that tall and he's not that heavy. But let's see what he measures out. He looks smaller than that. He's a four-star prospect from Hawaii. So he came from Hawaii all the way to Michigan. As a sophomore in 2021, he started five games. So he started to get on the field for Michigan. He had 25 catches for 420 yards and three touchdowns. 2022, he was good at times, but he wasn't really overly impressive, but his efficiency was there. But last season, Matt, for the national champions, he posted his best numbers by far. 48 catches for 789 yards and 12 touchdowns. He was so efficient. I mean, he basically scored a touchdown one out of every four catches. That's that's incredible efficiency. And he is really productive with the ball in, the, in his hands. For the Big Ten, he was named second team. He lined up in the slot 68% of the time. But here's what's interesting, Matt. If you watch him, he gets deep a lot. Like he's oh, yeah. a slot player who can run down the seam and be a safety to the outside. So I think he's got a very unique, if you just look at the numbers, you might think he's a slot receiver, but he has the skills of a wide receiver and he's tough in the middle of the field. And this is what I love. This stat is one of my favorite in this class. Matt, his drop percentage this year was only 2% according to PFF. That is, and you see see the hands-on film and, you know, we mentioned it last week when we were talking about Lad McConkey. Roman Wilson is very comfortable with people all around him. And he just secures the ball and makes the catch. Look at that team dominator. 25% everyone on the screen. Catch percentage is 73. And hit, this is a very outstanding number for a man who lined up in the slot. 16 yards per catch, Matt. What I saw on film is reflective in the numbers. What does your film study say? John, I love when our when our eyes line up here watching the tape. Because, you know, with Roman Wilson, for me, he's quick, he's fast, and he has great downfield acceleration. And that may sound redundant, John, but those are three different types of speed. And it's yeah. rare to have a wide receiver show all three of those. But he is. He's quick in the short field. He can move well laterally. Uh, he's got great straight line acceleration, which is when he works those go routes. Uh, but he, he's really well-rounded working fast over the middle of the field as well. So there's a lot to like with Roman Wilson. You mentioned it. He's very comfortable in traffic. You oh, look yeah. at that, that frame and you think, okay, right, a realistic frame. Maybe he's 5'10 and a half, 5'11, buck 85, buck 88. You, you think of that and you think, you know, 
oh, he's going to be, you know, kind of just focused on getting into space, but he, he goes up, John, he's got good vertical ability. He's got a, you know, he doesn't have the longest frame, but he, he reacts well to off target passes. He's able to bring them in and, and he positions his body very well for success. And so, and again, remember he's playing against big 10, you know, secondary. So we're, we're getting close to the NFL as close as we can get, you know, big 10 sec defensive back. So it's not like Roman Wilson has been playing against light coverage in he's the guy like teams know he's the X receiver on this offense. So I think he's performed very well. And like you said, we know my big thing with wide receivers, reliable hands are always <laughs> going to catch my eye. And he certainly has reliable hands. Uh, John, now we're going to dig a little bit deeper. It's one of the things that I love about the rookie big board. I think it's one of the unique values we bring. We dig deep. And again, if you want to get in, I just finished, John, my 62nd uh, draft evaluation. So if you want to get in on those draft evaluations, Rookie Big Board Discord, personalized advice, all that good stuff, head on over to patreon.com slash rookie big board. You can save, John, 15% now with an annual membership. So it's the time to go ahead and get that annual membership. But we're digging deep here. That was the whole point of that a very blatant pitch that I slid in there. The whole point was because we're talking about Luke McCaffrey, John. We're talking about sleepers, guys who uh, have caught our eye. And I know that Luke McCaffrey has certainly caught your eye. Yeah, and I have to be honest. I really liked him as I watched him through the season. And UConn played Rice, and I watched that whole game. And there are moments that he really does splash. However, when I broke down the film in more detail, Matt, I, you know, there's definitely improvement to be had. Right, like you see some flaws in his game, but those are flaws are also related to his past. And let me explain. He is the son of former Giants and Broncos Super Bowl champion wide receiver Ed McCaffrey. And yes, everyone, he is Christian's younger brother. He's 6'2, 195. And if you don't know anything about Luke, he was a highly rated dual threat quarterback coming out of high school. And he selected Nebraska over Colorado, Michigan, Ohio State, Washington, and UCLA. I never even, you know, if it was four years ago, Matt, I didn't even perceive of him as a wide receiver. He was a dual threat quarterback, right? He redshirted in 2019 for the Cornhuskers. In 2020, he played in seven of eight games for Nebraska, and he started twice at the quarterback position. He finally transfers to Rice. And he actually played quarterback in 2021 for the Owls. But then he makes the decision, Matt. He converted the wide receiver to kick off the 2022 campaign. And he's been a really good CFF player. We had him on our campus, the Canton team. And Matt and I, I mean, I watched a lot of them there too. And in two seasons, Luke McCaffrey was 129 receptions, 1,715 yards, and 19 touchdowns. What I thought, and this is just why data is so important, I felt he lined up on the outside more often than he actually did. The data shows that he was slightly lined up in the slot over 70% of the time. And he does a lot of jet sweeps, reverses. They put him in motion. I think the evaluation of McCaffrey, you have to project two years from now. If you're drafting Luke McCaffrey, you see the basic skills. You obviously know his father and his brother. And you're saying we, we get him in our wide receiver room and we get the coaching and the reps 
What can he be two years from now? So, Matt, I think he's a fifth-round pick with huge upside. What does your film study say? Yeah, John, I think you're right. You know, when you watch McCaffrey play, I think the things that stand out to me is he's got pretty reliable hands, which is impressive because he is, of course, like you said, a quarterback convert. And uh, he's tough. He's a physical player. Um, You know, he's going to work over the middle of the field without fear. Um, He's going to really scrap for those extra yards after the catch. He's got some burstiness to his game for sure. But like you said, he's raw. Um, and, And you could see that especially in his route running. Um, you know, you could really kind of see that rawness. He's not super elusive in open space. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I think, you know, he's the definition of a day three prospect, right? Um, but part of the senior bowl and part of mobile is, you know, every scout, every, you know, GM, every head coach who's going to be there knows what his family lineage is and folks, you may like it. You may not like it, but that means something, right? And so they're going to want to talk to him. They're going to want to have that one-on-one interaction. And like you said, John, they're going to want to figure out who are they going to bring in on their roster? Who's going to be a competitor? Who's going to be physical, tough. Maybe he's got to start off his career on special teams. But if he's on the 53, man, listen, when we get to weeks 10, 12, 15, you know, these names that pop up from the wide receivers, especially because of injuries, uh, you know, sometimes there's there are names that, you know, are, are well deeper than the draft capital that that Luke McCaffrey's probably going to get. Right. So I think he's got a big opportunity in Mobile. And this is one of the ones, you know, you keep your ear on the ground. You want to hear what people's impressions of this guy are. But like you said, John, I just need to point this out. Uh to, to get this Luke McCaffrey film, I did watch the full the full game of Rice versus UConn. So if yes! anybody has ever questioned my dedication to tape review, all right, I watched the whole Rice UConn game voluntarily. Okay, so I, was, I just I need to need to throw that in there. That's my big takeaway from Luke McCaffrey. All right, we sacrificed big time for the Patriots here. Uh, but an offense, John, that was much, much, much more fun to watch throughout the season than the Yukon Huskies was uh, Malachi Corley, part of the uh, Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. And I know, John, that Corley is a guy who's getting a lot of groundswell. You know, I can tell already that he's somebody who uh, is a not so quiet sleeper pick for a lot of uh, the fantasy football community and for good reason because he has some of those attributes that kind of lend to high upside oh absolutely he pops at times and when we did over the summer we did a five underrated wide receiver show and malachi corley was on the show so i was really excited about this year watching him he's 511 and 200 pounds but that I mean, he's big and well-built. He played cornerback in high school, Matt, and he weighed about 163 pounds. So he's grown into his body, and I would not say he holds the weight well when you watch him play football. His first year, he played sparingly on campus in 2020, but he finally blossomed in 2021. 73 catches, Matt. But here's a little bit that's going to be a factor in his career. He only had 691 yards and seven touchdowns. And then over the past two seasons, he has been named first team All-Conference USA. Two years ago, he had 101 receptions for 1,295 yards and 11 touchdowns. This year, he only had 79 receptions for 984 yards and 11 touchdowns. 
And Matt, when I watched the film, I thought he had a ton of short passes. Like I was just like, where's some of the deep crossers? Where are the deeper routes? So then I looked up some stats. He was placed in the slot 86% of the time. And what really concerns me, which is a little bit of a red flag, I'm going to be honest, his A dot was five and a half yards. And Matt, when we broke down broke down Rondell Moore a couple years ago, you and I talked about this. I don't have any Rondell Moore on one dynasty team. I said my major concern was I think he had an A dot of like 3.2. Like it was, and basically that's what he's done in the NFL but he can't escape defensive backs. So I'm a little bit worried about Corley. There's some red flags here, Matt, but I do like the film. What do you say when you looked at the film? Yeah, I think you you nailed it on the head here, John. Malachi Corley, he is an exciting player to watch. And a lot of that excitement comes with the ball in his hands after the catch. He's a tenacious runner. He's got good field vision. He's elusive. For a wide receiver, John, I love his contact balance, right? Uh, And he speeds up quickly. He's bursty. Um, You know, he's got that kind of short area lateral ability. Uh, So all of those things are very exciting. But like you said, it's one of the rules of the rookie big board, right? You kind of fade these wide receivers that have high, what I would call manufactured production. Because, John, even the best uh, prospects, even the best athletes, uh, rookies, when they're in the NFL – you don't get manufactured production. You're not going to get 20% plus of your of your offense, right? And you're certainly not going to get it right away. So you're right. That's why we advocated uh, fading Rondale Moore. That's why we uh, strongly advocated uh, fading Kadarius Tony, right? Because yeah. and, and you the, these are the guys that you get sucked right back into over and over again. <laughs> now, that being said, right, where where I'm at with Malachi Corley right now is that there is enough on his tape in terms of handwork, in terms of speed, where if he goes to the senior bowl and shows out, then we could possibly go back and look and say, okay, he did what he was asked to do, right? Uh, but the NFL may use him differently. So that's what I'm going to be looking for. You know, wide receivers, it's great. You have one-on-one isolation route drills. I thought his route tree was pretty simple. His route running was pretty basic. But again, maybe that's all he was asked to do. So Mobile gives us that opportunity. It gives Corley this, this chance to say, no, that's not who I am as a prospect. But right now, John, you're right. I'm proceeding with more caution uh, than excitement, despite the fact that when I let into it, you know, he is a popular sleeper pick. And so it's important to kind of balance those concepts when you're looking at him as a prospect. Uh, now, John, a prospect that I would blame nobody for not really knowing about, uh, but he did have pretty decent production relative to the Georgia offense this past year. It's wide receiver Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint. Um, and so when we're looking at him here, we John, we have a decent, decent frame, decent profile here, decent production. Uh, tell me what you saw here when you were looking at his tape. So when he first got the invite, I have to admit, I had to go look at him. I was kind of like, okay, who? why is he here? There must be something that I missed. And we watch a lot of Georgia football. And I can't say once did I ever say, wow, that young man, Marcus, is really jumping off the screen. So I had to look back and see, did I miss something? He's 6'2", 195 pounds, and he's an outside receiver. So you see that, right, Matt? 
He played in the 2020 Under Armour All-American game in high school, and he was a four-star prospect. But he didn't play much in 2020 and 2021 for the Bulldogs. And what I found out in my research, Matt, I didn't realize this, and I kind of found out by mistake, he suffered a gruesome injury. Do yourselves a favor, everyone. Do not look up his injury. I, I saw it on YouTube. It is, whoo, I give the man a ton of credit to come back. And in the past two years, he has made 18 starts in 28 games for Georgia. And he has corralled 63 passes for 872 yards and six touchdowns. He has some athletic ability, Matt, but I don't think he's a refined route runner. So what does your film study say about him? Yeah, you know, um, I see steady hands on tape. Uh, he can go up and, you know, he's got a pretty decent catch radius. Um, he is a, a willing and a physical blocker, you know, which I know doesn't sound exciting for us, but that might be part of the reason why, you know, the NFL scouts wanted to see him in mobile. I got to be honest, John, you know, I, I, I watched, uh, both Tennessee and South Carolina games. And I mentioned those two specifically because he did have good production in that game relative to the offense. Um, uh, you know, so when McConkey wasn't on the field, when Bowers was missing some time, you know, there was. There were points and times where he was, you know, the guy on the field, but I don't see game changing athleticism. I don't see game changing speed. And so I think there's just a lot of opportunity for him to just be average, but you know, let's, let's, you know, give him the chance in mobile. Let's see if he gets any chatter on the ground. All right, but let's go ahead and talk about the wide receiver added to lane Jaquan Jackson. I was also shocked that Jaquan Jackson got invited first. But when I started looking at him more, I realized why he's there. And Matt, it's for special teams. Yeah, His definitely. career at special teams, 59 punt returns and a touchdown, 35 kick returns, and 3,308 all-purpose yards while he was on the green wave. And I watched a lot of Green Wave. I like the American Athletic Conference. We had Tajay Spears, Michael Pratt, and Jackson. They, they had a plethora of wide receivers. It's not like I can say any one of them jumped out. He's 5'11", 185 pounds. He did play for five years at Tulane, so we don't have like an early breakout player. In 2020, he became a versatile weapon for the Green Wave. He had 31 catches nine touchdowns from scrimmage, 16 punt and five kick returns, and 788 all-purpose yards. Over the past two years, he has 59 catches for 993 yards and seven touchdowns. Matt, if a team needs a special teamer, a kick returner, punt returner, he's you. I think he might be the guy in this draft. That's why he got the invite to Mobile. Let's see how he does one-on-one -on -one in those matchups. I don't expect very much. I wasn't overly impressed with the film. I think they have a great scheme. He got open. I mean, they have so many receivers. They scheme guys open, but he's a special team dynamo. What do you see, Matt? Yeah, no need to double down on that. That's the correct take. He's there for special teams. I think he's really effective in special teams. He's got good vision when he's returning punts, good kicks. He's got elusiveness. Uh, that he accelerates very well. And so, like you said, I think he's going to be a good special teams player. I think he'll be a day three selection, but the wide receiver tape, it, it leaves you wanting. And so for the fantasy perspective,
probably not the guy to lock in on as as kind of a, a you know day three sleeper pick. I think you're going to have plenty of other good options, including John, the last mm-hmm. wide receiver we're going to talk about, who I know you were very excited after watching his tape, and that is UCF's uh, Javon Baker. And John, I will say. You know, playing DFS, playing college football DFS over the last few years, Javon Baker, it was a very uh, popular play for me and, and a fairly profitable one as well. So the stats were definitely there. Matt, I found my guy. I've watched 32 wide receivers now plugged in the numbers, and I'm trying not to be hyperbolic. When I plugged in the numbers, he jumped off the page like Marvin Mims and Jake Reed. I was like, what did I miss in this man? My friends, look at the screen, what we have going on here. 34% dominator, receiving yards per team, pass attempt, 3.11. PFF Matt, 17.1. And it matches his yards per catch at 17.5. They were throwing him the ball deep, and he caught it. And then, Matt, I said, okay, what did I miss? Because the numbers are better. I agree with you. I played him in DFS all year, and I loved him. But I said, what did I miss? Because the numbers are outstanding. I spent two hours in a rabbit hole watching this young man and Matt's going to do a better job of scouting but I I had to write down notes I was so in love Matt he's an acrobat I mean he is unbelievable my friends he was catching passes from John Reese Plumley, not the most accurate quarterback I've ever seen in college football I mean he twists and turns his body he has unbelievable body control his hand-eye coordination is in perfect sync with his feet. Matt, you see him jumping up like it looks like he's skying, catches the ball. Then you see him literally horizontal with two arms out and three feet from the ground catching the ball. And then you see him tiptoeing on the sideline. I mean, he's an X receiver. He is awesome. And Matt, again, he remind me of Zay Flowers with his with his swagger and his confidence. I mean, he has that little wow. Like as a defensive back, I think I would have gotten pretty mad at him a few times because he is. He, he, I think he's talking a lot on the field. I mean, he's emotional, but I love it, and he backs it up. He's six one, two hundred eight pounds. He enrolled at Alabama as a four star prospect, Matt. But when he got in that locker room. Check this out. In 2020, Devonta Smith was sitting in there, Jalen Waddle sitting in there, and John Mechie. In 2021, Jamison Williams comes in from Ohio State, and John Mechie is in there. So what did Javon Baker say? I'm going to transfer to UCF. Okay, I get it. He just didn't have the opportunity. When the Knights, Then the Knights played in the American Athletic Conference, and he was good. But then they moved to the Big 12. Much tougher competition. And last year, Matt, he had 52 passes for 1,139 yards and seven touchdowns. And this is what I love. He averaged 21.9 yards per catch. I mean, Gus Malzone is running this guy deep down the field, and they're chunking the ball to him. And he played on the outside 73% of the time. I don't want to gush. I kept this last for our viewers who stayed with us. 
Right now, Javon Baker is the best deal in your early dynasty drafts. I love this young man. Matt, what do you see on him? Well, it's going to be hard to follow that up, I, I will say. <laughs> Uh, you know, for when I'm when I'm watching Baker, I think he plays really well along the boundary. You know, I think he's oh, kind of yeah. a prototypical boundary threat, right? He accelerates well in a straight line. You mentioned it. He has great uh, ball skills, a uh, good contested catch ability. He's got good vertical ability. He's got a long wingspan for somebody who's six one. Uh, I do think that he has the ability to go uh, and grab off target passes. Uh, and then, you know, he, there is a little bit of shake after the catch, too. There's a little bit of fluidity to his game. And so I'm really excited to see him uh, set up in isolation situations here uh, at Mobile. And I'm excited for him to get to the combine, too. So I think if he could show up at the combine as, as a super athletic type guy, he could get a, a little bit of momentum there in terms of his draft capital. I will say, John, I will say uh, as, as a caveat here for, for my film review, I thought he got jammed a lot. I thought he struggled to separate at times. And that for me, that's a big red flag for me. You know, when you're a boundary presence uh, getting jammed in your six one, it's just, it's a proceed with caution for me. I'm certainly not ruling him out and there's a lot to get, be excited about, but you know, Getting Rashad Bateman vibes here a little bit, you know, when I see that that six ah, one guy that can't separate, just because that translation to to NFL uh, defensive backs is tougher. But that being said, let's see what Javon Baker can do in Mobile because you're right. Like I, I'm thinking back to like that Denzel Mims type rise from Mobile. I could see Javon Baker absolutely getting that type of momentum. You got the storyline. You mentioned it. it's the four star recruit. He was the Alabama guy. He transferred, you know, they came up to the big 12 and, you know, uh, some like my best film for him was Oklahoma, right? Like that's oh, a yeah. good, that's a good game to be the best film. <laughs> he's got game. that home run play ability, you know, cause he could, if he does uh, get that separation off the line of scrimmage and he, he beats that defender with the first step, like you're going to get, uh, I think the Oklahoma game is like an 80 yard touchdown or 70 yard touchdown or something. Right. So like oh, that yeah. home run hitting ability is there. And so I could see him getting like that Mims type rise and, and, you know, potentially playing his way into day two draft capital, which in this, this class would be really amazing for Javon Baker. So definitely somebody to keep an eye on. It was definitely worth saving uh, to the end here, because if you're listening, if you're watching the whole episode, John, uh, you are knee deep in the draft coverage and you are at that sicko level where the rookie big board resources are for you. So make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed on Spotify. We are getting ready for the rookie profile series where we break down. It's going to be about 30, uh, over 35 prospects total, John, this year. I'm so excited for it. And if you don't want to wait for those videos, you got to head on over to patreon.com slash rookie big board and get access to all all of our resources for 15% off at the annual membership. Hey, and I as always, thanks for tuning in.